Okay, before we go back to the... You're good? Okay. Before we go back to the middle of the discussion that we began about why Mardachai Tzadik does what he does and what Klayasol didn't understand... I want to mention two things. First of all, there was a young man here last week. I think he was a Spira, no? Was he? Is he here? That wasn't you, was it? No, what? So um, <laughs> he came over. Youth is wonderful. Sometimes, uh, if you don't know what's going on in the world, it's a lot more Yishuvadas. So he couldn't understand. He, I think he came after you picked him up from Abbas Abanam. So he was... Uh, he caught some part of the discussion about uh, Mordechai's difficulties with Haman Harasha. So he just wanted to know, he can't understand, why didn't Mordechai Sadiq just make an appointment with Ahasuerus and just go in there and take off his shoe and show him the shoe that says Beferish over there that you're my slave and there's nothing to discuss and uh, I own you and stop starting up. No, was that an accurate uh, description of the, basically the Shaila? Yes. I thought that was adorable because uh, I was trying to exactly how to answer that. Like you can't just go in and make an appointment and explain it to him because Ahasuerus, according to one sheet in the Gemara, is just as bad as Haman, if not worse. They certainly agreed on their general solution or final solution for the Jewish people. They weren't interested in explanations. So rather than go through... All that, I figured I'd tell him that's like akin to just asking for an appointment with the czar and explaining it to him. But then I realized he wouldn't know who the czar is either. So the, <laughs> I was looking for like a historical marshal to explain, but I ended up just telling him that, uh, young man, you grew up in America and Baruch Hashem, you're not going to understand my answer. It's a wonderful thing. Like, why don't you just think in the White House? I just want, you know, make it a, see a local senator, congressman, and just explain it to him. What's the problem? So I thought that was refreshing. Uh, also a simon of uh, how good we have it. And if you're wondering why we keep focusing on the rishus of Haman and the fact that Mordechai knew not only couldn't he reason with him, but he has to, at the end, show no cooperation whatsoever and total his darkness, is because that's what Haman was trying to do and Ahasuerus was on his side and Mordechai knew it. You could be fooled because you read the end of the Megillah and Ahasuerus looks like a wonderful ally. Of course he's going to tell Haman that he's absolutely wrong and we're going to hang you up now. He actually wasn't going to do that. It's just there were so many Nisim pointing to that direction. The, the final Nis was the Chavayna just switched sides and suggested it and he was in such a rage he was out of control which means he can finally do something normal. But from a uh, young man's perspective, I thought that was a very refreshing uh, question. The other thing was that um, I think somebody related to the uh, Rothenbergs, I think, like us, like an Adem or something like that. So I wonder about that. I, you would think I got back to Muncie, and his brother came and asked me. Uh, I said I saw a cute uh, question that uh, was inspired by the Navishir from like. 15 years ago. I said, well, which part of the Navishir? He said, Avner. I just gave it away. So, are you familiar with this? So he starts reading me something. He says, my brother wrote this. He said, he did it for Hanukkah for the family. You weren't here? It wasn't, this wasn't for extra dreidel points or something like that? Uh, 
My, I, I even have to ask him for the parish on one uh, part over here, but it's Nagea to what we were discussing last week. That's why uh, uh, my name means the father of my father's name, and my father's name for eight days we do light, the general to a king and two wannabes. I don't know what he means by the wannabes. My death came suddenly through a trick and not a fight. Does this sound familiar to you? You weren't at the family Masiba? <laughs> So it's Avner, Avner Ben Ner, right? I thought it was very, uh, very nicely done. The only correction, that's why you can tell him just to listen, he'll hear the. Uh, it, his death came through a trick, not a fight. What he's referring to is the sugya, which we learned here, which uh, makes reference in the Pasik, but it's really a whole sugya in Sanhedrin that Yoyev wanted to kill Avner because he held he was a murder Malchus, even though Avner was trying to join David, and David said, you should let him join. One of the cases where Yoyev, you remember, sort of had a mind of his own. And the Avtara we referenced in the first part of this year is David Amalek's final tzavos about how to give the people the kaparas they need. And on that list was Yoyev, and to make sure he gets killed because he has... And they met well. He had blood on his hands, and he killed Avner, and he killed Amasa. And how do you kill Avner? Avner, if you ask anybody in the street, who's the Giber Yisrael of the generals of Klai Yisrael? I think a lot of people would say Yayev. From this Gemara Sanhedrin, it's clear that Yayev should be in the top two, and Avner was probably stronger. As shocking as that is, how can anybody be stronger than Yayev? wouldn't want to meet either of them if I'm on the wrong side. But if you recall, Yayev called Avner over this at a time when Avner should have been highly suspicious of any intentions of going near Yayev because they were opposing generals for a couple of years while, while Avner was propping up Ishbashis against David and they had a number of battles like where people got killed. And then he's in discussions now with David Amelech on switching sides, which is always very delicate. And he should imagine that his natural foe is the general that's there now. doesn't want a co-general. And he's suspicious, not just for his covet, suspicious of Avner. All of a sudden, he's switching sides. And he told David he's a spy. And David Amal said, I hear, but I checked it out. I don't think he's a spy, and I think we can use him, and I think we can make Shalom Machai Israel. David and Yev. So David's king, Yev's commander-in-chief. And the only small little problem is, and Yev could have been right on this issue, but David's got to decide. So either we trust him and we take risks for peace, or we don't. And I think Avner is a very firm guy with a lot of Yerushalayim, which he was, and I think he really wants to switch now because you're sort of winning all the battles to your credit, Mr. Yev, and you're knocking out the kingdom he's trying to support, and it's not going to die for him anymore. That was the reality. Unfortunately, we'll never know what Avner would have done, but Sounds like he meant well, and he was so gracious about it. When Yev called him over, Yev could have said, let's discuss how we're integrating the governments. He didn't even say that. He said, I'm stuck in a sugi in Yevomis, and how does a gidemis do chalitza? Which, if your antenna wasn't up before, out of all the sugis in Yevomis, you could bring up. That's got to be the oddest thing. He thought nothing of it. They were such ga'inayelim, such masmidim, that it was perfectly normal for the two generals to be discussing a very interesting sugin yevamis, even though that's the only sugin yevamis. If you want to actually see how to do it, you've got to bend down and turn your back to somebody who might be your foe and might stab you. That's the only one. Everything else you could face forward and discuss the sugin. And Avner, due to Sitkus, still didn't think anything of it. And he told him, no, she could do it with her teeth. And Yehudah said, I don't think it's possible. Can you show me how? And the rest was history. Almost. So, Yeridim wants to tell that it was not a fight. Well, it was a trick because he didn't want to fight. 
it started off as a trick, and then there was a fight anyway. And after he stabbed Avner, this is Avner three quarters dead. Avner started wrestling with him and overpowered him and had him pinned down. So not only was he stronger than Yoav, it sounds like he was ten times as strong. He's bleeding profusely. And people already were around, and they begged Avner, please, you'll take it up in Elam Haba, you're in a coma. He's a girl Adam on himself, by the way, which is quite unusual. Usually it's a brother, somebody else, some other relative. And he wants to take Nakama. He said, just killed me. Almost. And they, uh, they begged him, please take it up in Shemayim. Because we can't be without both of you. And if you kill him and then you're going to die, we're going to have nobody. And he said, okay. And the reason why the timing of this little riddle was so crucial is because we left off last week with a very fascinating Rabbi the Chassid, which is in front of you. The Sefer Chassidim said... Talking about examples of people who gave up a lot, sometimes everything, for the sake of Klai It's not an exhaustive list. The two examples we have is David Amal, who's willing to leave Shaul alive, even though every minute Shaul's alive, David's in danger. And David said, I don't want to kill Shaul because maybe the Goyim will find out that we're without a king in the interim, which might last an hour or two, or a day or two, but it takes time, and they're going to attack. I don't want to put Klaes on Sakana. That's our real tzitkus. Sefer Sidim says he didn't have to do that. He's right to protect himself. But his ava for Klaes was such, he didn't want to take a chance. He's supposed to be king, I'll become king. If I'm not, then it's my lack of schusim. I'm not putting Klaes on danger. That was example number one. Example number two was Mordechai Tzadik. Mordechai lo kamvelo and this is the line we left off with, the last minute of the shear, the second to last line the, uh, before the bracket. If I don't display mysterious nefesh, people can think that Vodazar is not so chamer. That can all the that the first sheet and taste is Yavayavar, the second sheet holds that he made himself into Vodazar, but he's really not Vodazar, because nobody accepted him, and therefore I could bow down. They're not going to know this whole pilpul, and if I do this over here, people will take liberties in India and in Tibet and all the other places where they didn't live, and it won't be so chamer. Muto shi'aguni takala yadi. So again, it's a suffix of a suffix. I think I said the mushal of Salslanti to say uh, somebody who cuts cuts off ten minutes of seder in uh, Volozhin can cause chiloshabas Shabbos in Paris. We don't equate the two, but you have to. Hold up the drager you're on because, especially if you're Mordechai Tzaddik and you're the dogma, people will learn in a positive direction or in a negative direction. Mordechai said, I can't take that of Christ. And here he's getting insulted and badgered because he's doing this. And the whole reason he did it, according to one Mahalach, according to this Sefer Chsidin, which fits with the second Mahalach and Tesis, he wasn't Mokhiv to do this, put himself in danger, get harassed. He's doing it because he doesn't want any slippage in the Madriga of Klai So now we have a third, and that's Avner. They begged him, he had every right to kill Yoyev, and the common in this world, the Gal Adam, is at least a Roshos, and one Adam holds a mitzvah. And it's very natural, especially Gal Adam is a brother, it's not even him here, it's, it's the guy himself who got killed, you can imagine he's pretty angry. And he has the Achilles to get rid of Yayev, and he doesn't for the sake of Klai So I, I thought that was a perfect third example. If you look just how difficult, how much pressure there was on Mordechai, so flip the page over. If you're on Zoom with us, it's the um, number one that says Sefer Chsidim, and the second one that has a Yalkut Shemaini. Take a look at the bottom of the first column. Now, this is what we were up to. 
So now to get inside, we're trying to put together the various Midrashim to show you how much criticism what Mordechai Atzadik subjected himself to by doing this great act of Mesiris Nefesh. Amuloi, but you see at the bottom paragraph. Mordechai Leishtachava, Amuloi, Haviadea Sha'ata Mapilena Becherv. The people who were complaining said, You're putting us in danger. Marisa Lavato, Kabasim Shamelach, you mean Lavato, the Xera, the law, and this Dilma Chusadina. All these things circle around every generation, you know. Various people are quoting Dilma uh, Chusadina and Nishmaitim. I'm not saying it's always a misquote, but sometimes. Uh, misapplied, and they're tiny on Mordechai. What's the matter with you? So you're putting everybody in danger, you're putting yourself in danger. Amar Shani Yehudi. They say, a Yehudi means somebody who doesn't bow down and accept any part thereof of any Avodah Zarah. And that's what a Yid is, and this isn't a small Avodah no Avodah small. This is Avodah Zarah. It's pretty central. And we don't give an inch. And even if it's mutter, like the second shot in Taisus, once you know these two Malachim and Taisus, you could fit in the conversation. Even if it's mutter, we don't bow down, we don't do something that looks like it's being submissive when we shouldn't. Some are lay. So the people arguing with Mordechai at Sadiq told him, this is not true. My self is similar to You look in Parshish Vayishlach. And not the first time Yaakov met Esav. And when Yaakov, you know, met Esav Arasha, he bowed down, not once, but seven times. Very submissive. Nope. So basically they're saying, myself is similar to so we have a myself is similar to you should bow down and not start trouble. He had an answer. Mordechai is talking to the committee or the... Uh, some of them might have been colleagues in Shushan. Amalai binyamin avi So I wasn't born yet. Very interesting. Did the when you learned Parshvayishlah, did you get the impression Yaakov bowed down alone or the women bowed down also? The Imams bowed down also? Because if they did, then Bemeima doesn't help too much. Maybe it does because it's a ubi It's a natural reflex. You just got to, the, the body's bowing, so you're bowing. But he says, I didn't do that. It sounds like everybody was told to, Yaakovino didn't. Everybody was told to do it, which is mashal the puzzle like that. And I wasn't born yet. And the fact that my mother might have is not the issue over here. Because no myself a similar bottom for my shevet. That was his tiny back. And therefore, my Messiah is I shouldn't. Now, that would answer why he's putting himself in danger. How does that answer why he's putting them in danger? answer is he was trying to answer their kasha, the myself is similar If God's Kaisal did that, then that means everybody's supposed to do it. And he said, that's not true. And somebody has to set an example. And Mordechai Tzadik was not asking them to not cooperate. People asked me last week, uh, did Mordechai bump into, did Haman bump into anybody else said Mordechai? Or was it just like in the palace? He only associated with people in the palace and Mordechai was a minister. He certainly bumped into him more. 
I think it's possible. I'm walking through the streets and the carriage went by, so other people bowed down, other Yidin bowed down. Mordechai Atzadi wasn't necessarily tining on them. According to the first shot in Tesis, he probably was because it was really awesome. According to the second shot, I didn't ask you to do it. You want to know why I'm doing it? I'm from Bayamin, and Bayamin didn't bow, and somebody's got to stand up for this. So far, so good. Did they accept the answer? So apparently not right away. And they kept on arguing, and they kept on tining, and then the, even the uh, Goyim in the palace kept asking, they went to spall, what are you doing? It can be dangerous. Interesting that um, there aren't too many Rabbi Binyamins in Medrashartah. It's uh, probably not coincidental that he's the one bringing down this Mamre. But now, Shalrachal, Nisan, Shava, the Gedolotan, Shava. So he said, you have the two sons of Rachel, Rachel Imenu, Yosef and Benyamin. And they had similar things happen to them in terms of the Nisayan and in terms of how long it lasted. One is with Yosef himself, the other one is with the descendant of Benyamin, and that will be Mordechai Tzadik. And that, this part's important to show you how tough this conversation was. There wasn't a one-time shayla that some people asked Mordechai Tzadik, what are you doing? And they had a pilpul and they had an agreement to disagree. It went on hour after hour, day after day, week after week, and they continued to give him a very, very difficult time. So just like by Yosef, the Nisayan of Eishas Patiyafara wasn't a one-time thing. It was hour after hour, day after day, and it was a long-running Nisayan. So too, by Mordechai Tzadik, Arma Melov, Yaim Yaim. And the Schar was the same. Schar always goes according to how much mysterious Nefesh there was. And the one time Nisayan, as difficult as it is, is going to pale in significance to that tremendous Nisayan, but when you face it day in and day out. He's given the Malucha, made the Viceroy. Assistant to the king of the Kan, Isn't that fascinating? So the Medrash, striking. The Nisayan is spelled out the same way that it was ongoing for a long time, and only because of their tremendous dedication to Messiris Nefesh, and the reward by the Mazef, getting Al Mabaz the Meitzchar, was the tremendous power. Why is that a Midi Kenagamita? The answer is if you resist pressure and the pressure is coming from powerful people or from the public, which is by nature powerful, and you know you're doing the right thing, so then the mitigamid will be you get the gedula ba'ilamazeh. So Yosef gets it, resisting pressure from Eishas Patifera. Husband was a big minister, and uh, she had a lot of clout. It's amazing. So they have a few very, very striking similarities. The final, uh, this didn't end the argument, but Mordechai was trying to drive home the fact that whether this is Meker Adin and focusing on what Tesis was debating, does Haman himself as a person become an Avodazar? That could refer 
to the fact that he's wearing something around his neck, or it could be referring to the fact that he himself made himself into a pestle masecha, depending on these two shittas and tesis. So the backdrop over here is that it wasn't a one-time conversation, and you can imagine in today's vernacular there was a conversation, a second conversation, a call and campaign, bloggers, editorials, and all sorts of things going on, and the Nisayim was ongoing for a long, long time. Megillah is 40 minutes of laning, stretched over many, many years. We have to keep that in mind when we get to, in a, in a couple of weeks, of Desla's piece on it. It's breathtaking. You have to put the whole thing together, which is the purpose of seeing the Yad Hashem and seeing what the problem, what the solution was. We have one more component, which I want to show you. Matter of fact, as we introduce this, if you can give this out as well. This is, we don't see, you wouldn't expect that many tesisim for understanding the Megillah, but, well, you have to all the Megillah. These tesisim happen to appear a few times in Shas, in unusual places. And we have one from Mesechta Zavar then from Sacham and then from Ksubis, all in slightly different Lashanists saying a very fascinating aside. If you recall, four weeks ago, we saw Machlekes in the Gemara, why was there Gzair and Klai Yisrael to be annihilated? Rahman Latzlan. What, what triggered this? So one man says, they ate from the Suda. They were invited, they were told not to go. They went, they not only ate, but they enjoyed, and they rubbed shoulders with the wrong people, and they were there when they took out the Big Dekuna and the Kli Mikdash, and that was a massive Chil Hashem, and they were stuck there once they were there. Couldn't really say much. And the other Mandamar says, the Shaila, remember the Medrash and the Gemara, what his shita was. The other Mandamar is that they bowed down the time of Nebuchadnezzar. So, I want to focus on what that possibility was, what was going on there, because it's important for us to understand another Mahalach, why Mordechai was being so tough and dedicated on his shita, what he was trying to be misakin. So, if you recall, the Vachanetzer called a meeting for the entire civilized world, or uncivilized world, would be a better description. And the Medrash says he appointed representatives, 23 people representing each nation. His real direction over here is probably just the Yidden, but made an international show of his power and prestige. And he put up this gigantic statue. And he told everybody to bow down. All the Yom Salem had no problem. They don't have to debate the various shittas and tesis we're about to see. Was it an Avodah Was it just a statue for the Kavod HaMachas, for Nebuchadnezzar, and his likeness? It's irrelevant to them. They have 600 Avodah 601. doesn't make a difference. Everybody's quick to bow down. There was never an issue by them. As he probably anticipated, the Yidin would certainly have a discussion, have a havamina, have a bit of a tumult what to do. The good news is, there are three young, relatively until then unknown, or completely unknown Yidin, who didn't bow down. And the Gemara, as we mentioned, Sahedrin says that Badafka Kosh arranged it that the Gedalim there, Daniel, Cheskan, others shouldn't be around, so they should come and take the cover that even the simple young Yidin, who are not simple, but young, would be able to make this tremendous Kiddush Hashem. 
if you wouldn't know the following Gemaras, you wouldn't know the Gemara Megillah that despite the nace and tremendous Kiddush Hashem, this triggered a Kitrug that was still hanging over them. It's a Pella, because you can learn the entire Misa about Nebuchadnezzar and be tremendously impressed and awed by Chaim Hashem daring and courage and willingness to dial Kiddush Hashem and all is well that ends well! Except the fact that the Gemara Megillah says that it wasn't Sudhasachashvarish, it wasn't only Sudhasachashvarish, it was the fact that the rest of Klai Yisrael, or the representatives of Klai Yisrael, or 20 out of 23, if they were chosen among the 23, did bow down. So I always like starting with the good news. So the good news is Chanam Shavazaya didn't, and that's well known, and that was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And the other news is that Rav Minyan and Binyan, either themselves or their representatives, did. And this was enough, according to the sheet that we probably passing like, as enough to trigger the entire Gzeira at the time of Perm. And this is going to be crucial to examine and to know, because you have to know what Mordechai was trying to undo. Mordechai Baruch Katshai knew what was going on in Shemayim. So he was trying to cause a tshuva, it's going to fight fire with fire, how are you going to undo this Kitrug? You'll say the Kitrug's from the beginning of Gullah's bubble that was like almost 60, 70 years by the time the story's finished. Afterwards, they're going to build it. So why is this coming into realization now? The answer is, because Baruch is Kehler Chapayim, and Shem waits and waits and waits, and somebody should have addressed that, and they didn't. Quite probable that it was triggered by the Sutus Achashverish as well, that this was 90% of the problem, and now they're getting involved in a culture that's primarily of Devar and Gilead Arias, and then it resurfaced. That's my own addition, but L'chair, it's usually a Zev So what happened there? What was this statue? So, again, if you're born in America, you probably wouldn't know of such things, although they have them. Uh, we, at Night Seder, we... Um, a couple of years back when we were still on the issue of the uh, statues and the statuettes and the like, so we went through one of our Meshach's Shuvahs about they wanted to make a statue for Kennedy. They made that statue for Kennedy in many cities. This one happened to be in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, which I thought was fascinating. Shreds from McKeesport. I had a lot of Yidin uh, there. There was a small community, it's a suburb of Pittsburgh. And I happened to notice sometimes in the truth it says the name, and it was written to Rabbi Chin, who was the rub there, and I knew the name. And the Shiloh was, he was asked by the committee in McKeesport to join the committee. I don't know if any of the astronomy here know what that means, but that means all the other religious institutions, the churches and the other things got together and they and the, the municipality wanted to put up a statue and I guess for a small town like McKeesport statues are expensive so they had a fundraising mission so they invited the rabbis only one shul there one Botak shul so they invited the rabbi to join the committee which sort of means they want him to fundraise so he joined the committee he found out they wanted to fundraise and he asked Ramesha can I contribute to a statue it's not a Vodazara it's Los Asaniti Different answer. That's the Sogi Ruan, if you remember. And, uh, can I contribute to this? Our Moshe has all truth on this. It wasn't a push it. And he says, well, it's, it might not be an answer for them. And if it is, it's, you're just giving for Dakya Shalom and you don't really want any ownership. And maybe you should mafke your chelik, even though you can't, uh, because you're part of the city. Our Moshe has a whole detailed, uh, this is something, there are statues of Kennedy and other presidents all over the place. 
I guess they got firmer because this last year it seems to be there are a lot less statues, come to think of it. So maybe it's because they're worried about this. Is there? I'm not exactly sure where that's coming from, but uh, yeah. So um, can you imagine we're living in a generation where Kennedy looks like a right winger? It just boggles the mind. <laughs> All depends on who you stand next to in life. So um, yeah, so they have a lot of statues. None of those statues are of Azar, Baruch Hashem. And they don't ask any of the local American citizens to bow down to them. Baruch Hashem, we don't realize what we have. And there's a Shailah, a Sassaniti, can you contribute to it? Uh, that was the Shailah in the Igor's Moshe. What was Nebuchadnezzar doing over here? So we know Nebuchadnezzar was two things, among many other things. He was a big time Avid Avid like everybody else. And he was a tremendous Balgaiva, like everybody else also, like any good emperor in the olden days. So, one possibility is this thing happened not to be Avodazar. He'd just make an international convention to sing his own praise, and he put up a statue 500 feet tall of probably a likeness of himself. I don't know how tall it was, but it was tall. And that's just Gaiva, and not really our problem. Why can't you bow down? So, it's going to sound very similar to what's going on at Tysus. Well, if it's a real statue of Avodah you can't bow down, it's Yahweh Yahweh. And if it's not, but nobody knows that, or not everybody knows that, or the story's going to go out, the Jews bow down to a statue, that's going to be a problem of the optics, and that's going to be an issue of second shot in places that it looks like somebody bowed down to Avodah and we can't have that happen. So it's actually, the parallel here is very important when you look at the cause and the effect of what we're trying to be masakin. So which was it? Was it a statue for his covet, which... It's done in America, it's been done... They tell me in communist countries they've had statues of Russia, they had the fellow and all that, statues, like in every corner. Picture of statues, Alan. Uh, these things were many dictatorship, there's statues all over the place, and, and third world countries, and all over the place. So Nebuchadnezzar was about Gaiva. Or was it Avarazar? Was it both? Interesting, the middle possibility might be that he made himself a Dorvazar, which seems to be pretty common. I made a statue himself, but that was Avarazar. Possible. Tesis is going to discuss the two main possibilities. Take a look at the Gemara in front of you on page one. This is the Gemara of Avarazar and Gimel Amar Aleph. Fascinating Gemara. We're just going to see the Gemara now. We're not even going to get into Tesis because we're come out out of time. This is the famous Sugiting of Arazar about the Achras Yaman, which we seem to be talking a lot about tonight. And all the human cells are going to come, and they're going to want Schar for building the George Washington Bridge, and Route 9, and the Palisade going to Muncie, and what, what road goes to Passaic? Whatever road goes to Passaic to get all the Heligayid in here home. And they're going to want all the Schar for everything. And Akash Baruch Hu is going to tell them, you didn't do it the Shem Shemayim, you did it to collect taxes, and they're going to want a mitzvah to try again, the sukkah, and it's going to get hot, and they're going to kick the sukkah. That's all in the sukkah over here. So part of the um, sukkah is Akash Baruch Hu is going to ask them to give edus about the mitzvahs we were makayim. Amal Akash Baruch Hu mikem, the bracket is about two-thirds of the way down. Amal Akash Baruch Hu mikem yavov yidu ba'am b'yisrael, shakimu satayra kula. We're going to ask you, the Rosham, to try to stop them to give Edus that with great mysterious nefesh they never stopped doing mitzvahs and they wouldn't do Averis, especially Avodazar. Yavon Nimrod, case number one. Nimrod's the earliest villain on record, the first emperor who tried to seize control of everybody's bodies and minds and did a good job of it, except for Avmavinu, who was a thorn in his side, Baruch Hashem. 
despite the threat to be thrown into a fiery furnace, which he was. Not just about Avodazar. Lavan kept claiming, you're ripping me up, really, he was changing the deal every time. He should give Edus, Yaakovinu, never took a pin, as Yaakovinu himself says later on. Tava Eishis Patifera. Each villain and the tzaddik who didn't give in. Yavon Nevuchadnezzarm. Okay, good news. Chanan Meshav Azai did not bow down, and somebody stood up for what's right. Because he davened when he wasn't supposed to, when he was thrown to the lines because of it. So we have cross section of history. There's more, but that's the part we want. So Yavon, the heroes here, Chanan Meshav Azai and Nebuchadnezzar will give Edis that they didn't bow down. It sounds like from a quick reading of the Gemara, this was a real Avodah and they wouldn't bow down because it's Yahar Vayavr. Question is, why was it only them and did everybody else cooperate and what was this thing? And Mitzvah we will take that up next week. Have a good Vach.